Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. And Murray's going to reset. Now fires away another three. Puts it in! Jamal Murray's got 26. Some more Murray magic here in the first half of game three. Inside for Smart. Doubled hits. It's rebounded by Vincent on the drive. Pull up three. Boy, has he got the stroke tonight. They're just getting their heart taken from him. Christian Walker would be next. Corbin Carroll hits a fly ball to right field. Corbin Carroll saves. There you go, Gonzo. You wanted a homer, you got it. He kept that slider in the middle part of the plate. Could tell Marte missed it. Corbin Carroll did not. It's a deposit. It's up in the right field seats. Corbin takes off. Got a big jump. No throw. He's in there standing up. The running game is back on for Corbin Carroll. And his first stolen base last night since April 29th. He just picked up another one right there. Well, he'll be a pretty... Uh, Pretty good 2020 guy at least this season, I believe. Considered by most experts as the greatest pullback ever to play the game. Here's a striking example of his individual brilliance. All 228 pounds bowling through the middle and thundering 68 yards. And another touchdown for Jim Brown. Now Cleveland comes up to the line of scrimmage. And now they call the game. That is it. The fans charge the field by the thousands. That's the end of the game. And the Cleveland Browns win it. 27 to nothing. 2-2. Did he go around on the curveball in the dirt? Yes, he did. It's his first base umpire, Jordan Baker. Lariano strikes out, and that is the ball game. Fromber Valdez shuts out the A's. Second career shutout for Fromber, and it completes a perfect 6-0 homestand for the Astros as they defeat Oakland 2-0. Julio Urias fires, and Gorman hits one deep to right. And this ball is gone. Three home runs in the inning off of Julio Urias. And it is now 5-2 St. Louis. Back-to-back home runs, Ez and Gorman. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Monday, May 22nd edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. Little different week for us this week. We're preempted for ASU baseball on Tuesday and Thursday. So the Sports Zone and the extra point this week will be a Monday, Wednesday, Friday proposition for you. All right. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. The Nuggets, do they finish off the Lakers tonight? The Celtics, who should be blamed the most? The Diamondbacks, what stood out during the series win at Pittsburgh. Jim Brown, is he the greatest individual player ever in a team sport? The Astros, are they once again the best in the American League? The Dodgers, must they add starting pitching? And what else caught your eye since our last show? 
Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction to today's pipeline. 9-15, a Nuggets in Lakers Game 4 preview. We'll talk with Matt Brooks of Nuggets.com. 9-30, it'll be interactive action at 602, 260-1060, and also the local roundup. That'll include a Diamondbacks and Pirates weekend rewind. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by the latest line, and also from the scoreboard. little uh, NBA and some baseball in there. Uh, then after the uh, Sports Zone, from 10 to noon, it'll be the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla. And uh, Kayla now 2 of 2, uh, picking uh, PGA uh, major winners in 2023 in uh, the, uh, the uh, PGA Tour. So good for her. Excellent job there. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, will the Nuggets finish off the Lakers tonight? And Kayla has the early returns. Your favorite, hotly contested. We're in a 50-50 split between yes and no. Okay, that is my favorite. No NBA team has ever rallied down 3-0 or 0-3 to win a playoff series. Zero for 149. That's what it is. There's been 149 series where the team has taken a 3-0 lead, the best of seven series. And the team with the 3-0 lead is 149-0 in the NBA. In addition to that poll question, what is the biggest reason the Nuggets are one game away from a four-game sweep? Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, who is most to blame for the Celtics 0-3 deficit? The players or head coach Joe Mazzula? And Kayla, what do we have here? The players, 83.3% of the vote. Head coach Joe Mazzula, 16.7%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Last night, it was difficult to determine whether the players quit on the head coach or the head coach quit on the players. Not exactly a good situation. Meanwhile, uh, on uh, the local front, the Diamondbacks uh, bounced back after a rare Zach Gallon bad start on Friday night. He was, in fact, shelled in the Friday night season, uh, series opener at Pittsburgh. But Arizona won games on Saturday and Sunday against the Pirates. The Pirates have now lost 14 of their last 18 games, so much for that fast start they have. What or who stood out during the Diamondbacks series victory at Pittsburgh? Spanning the globe. My first sports hero died. Jim Brown, the only NFL player ever to average more than 100 yards rushing per game in his career, died at the age of 87. Is Jim Brown the greatest individual player in the history of United States team sports? The Astros have turned it around. After a predictable weekend sweep of the lowly athletics, Houston has now won seven straight in 9 out of 10, including the all, you know, all three games over the weekend since Jose Altuve returned from the injured list after he missed the first 45 games with a broken hand that was suffered during the WBC. Are the Astros once again the best team in the American League? The Dodgers? Never thought I'd say this. They're running out of starting pitchers. Jose Urias? And also Dustin May, both placed on the injured list last week. That means that rookies Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller will start the next two days at Atlanta. 
Do you think the Dodgers need to add at least one starting pitcher before the trade deadline? And we're less than about six weeks from the trade deadline, roughly. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That is today's Pipeline. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the Pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That will be followed by, will the Nuggets finish off the Lakers tonight? We will cover the Nuggets Talking about the Lakers series, go back to the Suns series a little bit because kind of my plan. All that with Matt Brooks of NBC, uh, uh, Nuggets.com. Uh, Nuggets.com, Matt Brooks. Looking forward to talking to him in the next segment. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it's phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, of uh, the local roundup. That'll be topped by Diamondbacks and Pirates Weekend Rewind. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. Social information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle HD2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Nuggets can finish off a four-game sweep at the Lakers tonight in Los Angeles. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Matt Brooks of Nuggets.com. And, Matt, good to have you on the show once again. One win away from a sweep for the Nuggets. Now, I assume you're somewhat surprised at least. How surprised are you? Yeah, well, first off, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, um, this, is, this is a surprise for sure. I mean, I think – after especially watching those first two games in Denver, where Denver, you know, the Nuggets have been so dominant, still undefeated at home, um, really felt like the Lakers pushed them about as much as they've been pushed in this postseason. And then we get to Los Angeles, and for them to come out with that win and, you know, really be kind of get over the, the you know, it wasn't double digits by the very end, but it was a, a, a double digit lead for a, a good portion of the end of the fourth quarter. So, yeah, it's a surprise for sure. Um, but this Nuggets team is performing well above and beyond pretty much anybody else in the postseason right now. Um, and, and this was just kind of a, another example of that. What are a couple of reasons or maybe even the biggest reason you think the Nuggets are in this position? You know, I think that's the beauty of it is that there isn't really one reason. And I think that's why they're such a tough team. You know, um, they've dominated the rebounding battle a lot throughout the postseason. But in game three, which you could argue is probably one of their best playoff victories, they lost the rebounding battle. Um, you know, you have Jokic, Nikola Jokic, dominating throughout the postseason, doing 
really a little bit of everything and whatever his team needs is him. He's had 53-point games. He's had, you know, 25, 19 rebounds, 12 assist games. Um, you know, that guy, I mean, there's just not a lot you can do with him. And because he's so versatile, it's really hard to kind of put a finger on how to defend him. Um, you go down the line, Jamal Murray's been sensational this playoff round. Michael Porter Jr.'s had some big games and it showed different things, had a career-high six assists in game three. And, you know, they, they have six guys that are really, really, you know, all capable of putting up big performances. KCP, uh, Bruce Brown, it, it, it's just, I, I kinda, that's kind of the point here is that because there are so many different ways that they can win, that's what makes them such a good team. Denver has won the fourth quarter last two games. Their studs have kind of taken over in those games. Jamal Murray, obviously, in game two. Jokic in game three. Let, let's start with Murray. At what point of the season did you think that he was, you know, quote, back from the injury of uh, 2021? Um, it's funny you ask that. Uh, Michael Malone brought up a, ga- a game specifically in December um, against Portland is where he felt like Murray kind of, had it again, uh, or, or really started to feel comfortable with his body. I believe Jamal had a game winner in that game, so um, that's probably the turn for them. That turns into a month of January where they went 12 and three. Malone got coach of the month that that month, so I think that timeline, right around there, turn of the new year, is really what you're looking at when you're seeing this Nuggets team come to you know really crystallize, and a lot of that comes down to Murray finding himself again. Watching Jokic every night, what impresses you the what, what impresses you the most, and are you still surprised with some of the things that he does with his skill set? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, I, I, he's one of those guys. Like there are certain superstar players that no matter how many times you watch them, it just it, it's always amazing. You know, I covered Kevin Durant in Brooklyn for three, four, three years, I guess, um, and you know that that's just somebody that you you watch him play. You know, it's. It's, it, he's seven feet tall and is making jumpers over literally everybody. Jokic is the same way. I mean, I think the passing is probably the first thing that comes to mind. But for me, uh, watching Jokic, it's his touch. I mean, just the the level of softness that he's able to put the ball up around the rim um, and, and the different shots that he's able to make, uh, you know, doesn't really matter where his feet are or, or how good of a shot it is. His shooting touch is just unbelievable. So, I think for me, that's what I really like to see is these little floaters they'll take over multiple defenders in a crowded paint. It's really spectacular. Matt Brooks of Nuggets.com, Curly in the Sports Zone. All right, Bruce Brown and Contagious Caldwell Pope, you mentioned them. Let's start with Brown. What especially, or actually, let's rephrase, let me rephrase that. What specifically has Brown you know, brought to this team and this organization that they might have been lacking in pre- previous seasons? I think probably a threat in transition. Um, you know, he's a guy that is always, always, always kind of made his, his money as, as a guy that gets out in transition, cuts off ball. So those are the perfect players to play next to Nikola Jokic, who's obviously a great, great passer in transition, great passer in the half court. And just guys that move and run around and beat guys down the floor are perfect for, you know, this specific system that they have in Denver. Um, It's been interesting to watch Bruce this year because his role has shifted a lot compared to maybe some of his previous teams. He's handling the ball a lot more. They're giving him more point guard duties. And over the season, he's really improved as things have gone on. He's just so good at getting to the rim. 
uh, which is such a huge part of the postseason, is, is having guys that can get those at-rim shots. So he's been massive in that way. Um, and, and really, I expect him to get a big payday this offseason. Caldwell Pope, how much is his winning pedigree added to this roster, and what else about him stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a real thing. Um, you know, he, he's, he's definitely one of the vocal leaders. Um, and you can just even see it in his pressers. Like, he, he's all business. That's, right. that's a guy that is all business. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that stuff's really important. You know, the, 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 I think the thing that's really interesting about this Nuggets team is, you know, their vets are – it's not all just one type of player or personality. You know, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan are definitely mm-hmm. a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, they like to joke around more. You have KCP, who's a little bit more to business. And I think altogether, it just makes a really um, just a, a locker room that clicks. It's, it's a good mix of personalities. So KCP is a part of that. He's also just been really good for them. Um, had that huge stretch in Game Three at the end of the third quarter. Hits a three pointer. Hits a mid range shot. Gets to the free throw line. At this point, Nikola Jokic was on the bench foul trouble. Jamal Murray had 30 points in the first half. Starting to slow down a little bit at that point. So KCP has been great. I mean, you could shoot the three ball. He's their best wing defender. He's always guarding the other team's best players, whether that's you know Anthony Edwards, Devin Booker. Um, he's gotten some reps against D'Angelo Russell and Austin Rep, uh, Austin Reeves this this uh, round. So, yeah, he, he's just he's filled the gaps for them so nicely. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of his. You know, but you know, you're right. I mean, I'm watching the, you know, the post post game pressers certainly against the Suns and in the first three games of this series. Yeah, I did the, he's really impressive at the podium, and uh, I'm not that surprised. Let's go back to the Nuggets and Sun series for a couple of moments here. Why was Dun, uh, Denver able to advance in that series? And uh, also uh, you know, the fact that uh, after watching the Suns for six games, what do you think the Suns need to do and change moving forward? Uh, I really think that series came down to depth. Um and, and just kind of like, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of this that Denver has so many different ways of winning, you know, whether it's certain guys going off, uh, they win on the battle of the glass, maybe they'll win in fast break in certain games. Um, Phoenix really felt like they had one way of winning, and that was, hey, we really need 90 points from Durant and Devin Booker. And, and that, to me, I think was just what sort of – it was just a lot to ask out of two guys to do for a series that went six games. And I think by the end, it's just the Suns really ran out of gas. The lack of depth definitely hurt them. Um, I do think there are certain moves to be made. Uh, as for what that looks like this offseason, I mean, who knows? Um, you know, maybe you try to up- upgrade the eight and spot. Um, you definitely want to have more than, like, four playable guys. I know that much, and that was kind of an issue in that series. Um, Chris Paul is obviously going to be a year older, so that's something you could look at. There's the Kyrie rumors. I don't know how plausible that is under the CBA, but um, there are things for them to do, but they're working in tighter confines. I think people would like to admit, but I think the biggest thing you can do is just hit on a couple of, you know, uh, minimum level salary guys. You know, if if they have a TPE or excuse me, uh, uh, MLE, uh, which is mid-level exception should be around $6 million. Do that. But, yeah, they have their work cut out for them, that's for sure. You mentioned you've obviously covered Durant back in the Brooklyn days, too. So what did you think about him in the last series? And Aaron Gordon seemed to really bother him at times, more than at times. Uh, yeah, he did a really nice job defensively. Yeah, I think the big thing with KD, and we've seen in the last two years, is that 
over over the last I think probably three years really since he's returned from the Achilles injury, he's been great. Like he's shooting you know career high field goal percentage from the field. Um, he's been great. He's making a ridiculous number of his mid range shots in the regular season. But I think the big thing is that getting to the basket is just maybe not quite as much on the table for him. Has he lost a step or a half step? Maybe. Uh, but regardless, that part of his game has definitely dwindled. And when that happens, I think you can play him the way that somebody like Aaron Gordon did, where you're really up in his jersey. You're playing him physically. You're pushing him on his catches because you're not as worried about that guy beating you off the triple. Um, and I, I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed. We saw it against Boston last year. Uh, Grant Williams and all sorts of guys were very effective. Tatum was very effective against him in the uh, what was it, the first round last year. So it, it kind of felt like a replay for me with Durant of the last two postseasons. It just feels like that physicality is bothering him a little bit more, and I just wonder if that's because of his decline in physicality. Talking with Matt Brooks from Nuggets.com. Michael Malone, I know you haven't been here for the whole duration, obviously, in Denver, but you, I'm sure you watch from afar, and you certainly uh, there's been lots of discussion about this. So in what ways has he changed as a head coach over the years? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, you know, first off, I mean, he's giving some younger guys a shot. Christian Brown has, has really played for two, three rounds at this point. Uh, minutes are kind of dwindling a little bit here at the end of the Western Conference Finals. That's to be expected. It's very rare that you see rookies um, picked at the end of the first round, you know, play a huge role on a, on a championship contender. Um, but I think the other things are just little adjustments he's made. He's, you know, he's, I think this playoffs he's been really good about mixing his bench with his starters. Um, so I, I think he's evolved. And I also just think the way he's learned to connect with his players. I mean, he's always been a player's coach, but it really feels like there's such a connection between him and this Nuggets team this year. And I think that's something that he's put work into it. And just based on what he's told us and pressers, that is a big focus for him um, is, is finding that balance between being a tutor, but also just being like family with these guys. So um, I, I think those are the main things. Yes, there are tactical things, but there are also like personality things that I think he's grown a lot in as well. What is Malone telling his team the last couple of days after they went up 3-0 against the Lakers? Oh, no, but I mean, he had a quote about, uh, goodness, I'm trying to remember it right now. He had a quote kind of about like the, the basically that a game four, uh, when you're up 3-0, is the hardest game to work, it's the hardest game to win. There's this natural inclination, I think is how he put it. Um, kind of let your foot off the gas, say, all right, we got a 3-0 lead. Nobody's ever come back from this. So I think there is going to be a lot of, hey, if we get this done, we get a full two weeks off to prep for what's looking like the Miami Heat um, and really rest and get our bodies right, You know, spend some time in Denver at home with our families. So I think those are kind of the, the types of things that he's stressing and also just Hey, I mean, look, this other team has LeBron James on it. And, and I know Nikola Jokic had a quote about that after game three saying, look, like, I'm, I'm, not completely, I'm not completely out of the weeds with this team yet. Like, any team that has LeBron James on it is, is scary to me. So I think there's that sense, too. I, I do actually expect them to come out pretty, pretty, pretty um, aggressive tonight in, in game four because um, I think that, especially the LeBron factor, is, is a big thing that they're trying to keep an eye on and motivate them internally. What do you think the Lakers will try to do differently, at least strategically, in this game for tonight? Um, man, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, maybe try to get more um, touches inside. I think they only shot like 
60% around the rim. Um, so for context, in team one, they shot 84%. So Denver did a really, really good job taking away the painted area. So if there is a way for them to devise more looks inside the paint, which is where the Lakers really like to operate, that's definitely one of them. Um, other thing might just literally be make more of your threes. They shot 31% um, at home. I think they shoot 35% over the, the postseason at home normally. So if you can get a little bit of a progression to the mean there, that certainly helps. Um, and then, you know, I, I think a lot of the defensive things that they've done in terms of how they've defended Nikola Jokic have already been thrown out there. Um, the Rui Hachimura adjustment was Anthony Davis kind of roaming nearby. They gave LeBron some reps against him defensive against uh, Jokic defensively. So we'll see probably more of that. I really think the big thing is just like trying to find some sort of form on offense. Do the Nuggets finish it off tonight? Well, I'm not a <laughs> not a fortune teller. I don't I don't know that, but I, yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about it. Um, you know, I, I think the thing about the Nuggets is that they had this opportunity in Minnesota, and they didn't close. You know that series, and they had to go back to Denver for a game that it didn't seem like anybody was very happy about playing. So I think because they've already done that in this postseason, they know, hey, like we need to take care of business. We need to make sure we don't get into that situation where we're playing one last game in Denver in a series that we've effectively won. So yeah, I do think that that's something that stuck with them. Uh, I know KCP brought up the two losses uh, in Phoenix as a major motivating factor for this series especially headed into Game 3. They, they did not want to go back home by 2-2, and obviously they took care of business in Game 3, so I'm assuming that mentality is going to be brought into Game 4 against Los Angeles. Looking ahead, the finals aren't going to start for a while, obviously. Would the likely long layoff be a good thing, bad thing for the Nuggets? How would you look at that? That's a great question. I was actually just having this conversation with people last night at dinner. I don't know. Um, you know, I... I, the thing about the Nuggets is, like, they're healthy for the most part. So this isn't, like, one of those situations where it's like, oh, my goodness, we have almost two full weeks off. We can get our guys ready. Like, no, like, the Nuggets are healthy. They're playing well. And, you know, it depends how much you believe in rhythm and, and all that stuff that goes into, I guess, how we evaluate the postseason. But they have two weeks off after winning, potentially, if they win tonight, going 12-3, and three, I think, in the postseason so far. Um, and they're going against the Miami team that's most likely um, really, really good in terms of how how they scout. Their coaching staff is really good. So now Miami has two weeks really to go look at film of Denver. Now Denver has two weeks to do the same thing with Miami, and I think this is really probably the two best coach teams uh, remaining, which is fitting they're both in the finals. But, yeah, I think it's really interesting. I, I can't quite figure it out yet. I think if the Nuggets had one or two guys that were a little dinged up, I'd say this is perfect. But they're healthy. It's, I don't know. Are they going to lose rhythm? We'll see. Great stuff, Matt. Appreciate it. I'm sure we'll try to do this again at some point in the finals. So thanks much. Of course. Thank you. Matt Brooks, Doggins.com. Excellent stuff there from him. And uh, he mentioned good question a couple times. That's always a good way to, to get invited back. But he plus he's really good. That's most important. Yeah, I'll need to. Well, actually, I do. I do need to have my ego stroked a little bit, as everybody does, right? But uh, he was great. So good stuff there. Very curious to see how this game goes tonight. 
I'm much more curious to see this game four tonight than I am game four tomorrow night with Miami and the Celtics. I'm just kind of done with the Celtics. Get them out of here. Get, get, get them off my television. I don't need to watch that anymore. Next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also, today's local roundup. That'll be topped by Diamondbacks uh, Pirates. Diamondbacks Pirates weekend rewind. Easy for me to say that whole sentence was really well done. Uh, Coming up next, uh, we'll have a little on the uh, local roundup. Then we'll wrap up the hour with the national roundup. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. Talk with former NFL and MLB player Ed Smith and co-host Javon Adams airs Saturday mornings 10 to noon on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602. 260-1060, get your phone calls in just a couple of moments. First up, a little bit on the Diamondbacks. They won two out of three over the weekend at Pittsburgh, and they won the final two games after their ace, Zach Allen, was shelled on Friday night. Gallen allowed seven runs in the fourth inning against a Pirates team that was hitting 204 in their previous 10 games. Uh, the Diamondbacks rallied from that embarrassing 11-3 loss and drubbing on Friday night. With four, three, and eight to three victories on Saturday and Sunday, respectively. General Manager Mike Hazen appears to have made a great offseason deal. We liked it at the time, but I mean, this has really been amazing so far. Lourdes Guriel Jr., he's been a hitting machine. 307 with seven homers, 12 doubles, a triple, 25 runs batted in, with a single in the seventh inning on Sunday. He now is hitting a career-high 13 consecutive games, uh, so that uh, he had been uh, he had a 12-game hitting streak in his days in Toronto. Ga- uh, Gabriel Moreno has been excellent behind the plate. Certainly, throwing arm is very impressive, and he's hit 311. He's more than hit 17 runs bad in for him. On the other hand, the Diamondbacks and Hazen sent Dalton Varsho to Toronto. He is part of a. Uh, a uh, disappointing lineup, I would say, from top to bottom in Toronto. Varsho hitting just 204 through yesterday's action. Corbett Carroll healthy again. Stole three bases over the last two days. His first three steals since he's been... Remember, he had the injury in Colorado on April the 29th. Those were his first stolen bases since then. Uh, uh, Carroll also homered on Sunday for the season. He's hitting 281. Six homers, 17 extra base hits, and 11 stolen bases. Personnel-wise, Austin Adams, he could become a big part of the Diamondbacks' bullpen. He was an excellent reliever for the Padres before he missed most of last season with an arm injury. The Diamondbacks promoted Adams from AAA over the weekend. He made his Arizona debut on Saturday and retired both hitters that he faced. 
And at Reno this season, he was 1-0, three saves, a 2.84 run average, 20 strikeouts in 12 innings. That's something I've been looking for is somebody on this team that strikes out and gets swings and misses, gets strikeouts and swings and misses. Opponents hit just 191 against him at Reno this year. So he's a player that could be a real key for the Diamondbacks the rest of this season. Up next, the Diamondbacks conclude their road trip with three games at Philadelphia. The Diamondbacks split the season series three games apiece last year. And over the last four seasons, though, since 2017, I remember they didn't face the Phillies in 2020 because of the pandemic, but the Diamondbacks in their last 32 games against the Phillies are 21-11. and 11. Tonight they send Tommy Henry, 1-1 one one with a 5.00 run average, to the mound in the first game of the three-game series at Philadelphia. All right, on to the phone lines we go. Al in Phoenix. Hi, Al. Hey, Bob. Uh, well, uh, first of all, your question about Jim Brown is an excellent one. I mean, I think for in football, I'd say he's. I would I would put him as as the top 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 football player of all time. But when you start, you know, going to other sports, it, it gets difficult. He's right. I would say he's right in the conversation, though. I mean, uh, you can you can look at other sports. You know, you can look at Will Chamberlain. You can look at Michael Jordan. What they did in basketball. But uh, I'd say Jim Brown is right at uh, you know as a uh, greatest. Team player, uh, player in a team sport. He's right up there. Okay, that sounds. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good explanation by you. I think Wilt is a guy to definitely talk about, though. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, Jordan. I think is considered the greatest basketball player by many because most people that are alive right now actually saw him at some point. But uh, you know, the Wilt days. I mean, you know, he was he was pretty astonishing, and you know, he even led the league in assists towards the end of his career. <laughs> They even sort of they changed some of the rules because of Wilt, if I, if I remember correctly. Well, I think they changed you know, they changed some. I think they in, in college they changed some Wilt uh, rules for Wilt, and also Lou Alcindor back in the day they changed like every rule uh, in the uh, you know mid '60s or you know, late '60s for uh, after he came to UCLA. Yeah, that's that's true. And then the other question, I mean, the the Celtics. I, You'd hope that they'd, they'd be able to move on from Joe Missoula after this year, but I don't know if that's going to happen. But he's done it. I mean, like you said, this is the biggest coaching mismatch in a playoff series. I don't know, maybe in NBA history. I'm not sure. But he's, this, he's clueless, and his team looks terrible. I mean, you can blame the players, but the coach has to you know, put them in position to win. And I don't know. This, is, this, is, this series is awful. Yeah. Well, I will say one quick thing, and I appreciate the call, Al, as always, uh, that at least Missoula, this is way too late, should happen a long time ago. At least he took some responsibility for the loss last night. <laughs> so that's kind of the first time I've heard him say in any press conference this year, and they haven't played very many good playoff games at all, even the ones they won from start to finish. First time I've heard him say that you know, some of it is on him. Monroe and Glendale, what's going on, Monroe? Happy Monday, Bob. You too. Thanks. I hope this Boston coach player thing, I hope it's a 50 50 split because, in my mind, it's really an organizational failure. Uh, I think that the, to me, they are one dimensionally offensively in that 
they either shoot threes or get to the basket or they score no other way. I'm sure that's analytics-driven, but in my mind, the coach is responsible for the strategy that they use on offense and defense. And this, just watching them launch these threes without any kind of notion of just getting a basket, the inability even to, to score in and around the paint, they just don't have it on this team. Uh, and then, so that strategy is the coach, but it's also the way the team is built. They're built with a bunch of perimeter players who shoot threes and drive to the basket. And so when they don't score, their defense goes away. They just seem to soak or get wrapped up into the officiating. So I would put that on the, on the players. But I really think that this is another example of a poorly constructed team. And to me, that's an organizational deal. Yeah, I agree. Brad Stevens, I mean, uh, yeah, they got to make a decision on Missoula. They just extended this contract here in the last couple of months. And, yeah, they have a financial obligations to him now long past this year. So if he goes, I think that Brad Stevens should go too because he's been kind of in charge. Obviously, it was a circus last year more than we knew with all the off-the-floor situations, which led to the uh, – coaching change right before the season started um so i maybe i just didn't pay attention to the celtics and which is entirely possible because it's the regular season in the nba and uh, maybe i just didn't pay attention enough attention to them during the regular season but this is kind of uh I, I don't know what the hell they're doing half the time and i don't think it's all his fault but he's made some really bad decisions uh lineup wise and I, I it looks like he is in charge of that part it's not it doesn't seem like it's an organization, whether it's Stevens or somebody else, that is completely dictated on who plays from game to game because of analytics. Right, right. Yeah, that, right. there's plenty of there's. I think there's a lot more of that in baseball than are actually in the NBA. But you know, it, it, it's a, it just it's not working, and it looked like it, everybody had quit last night. It looked like, uh, yeah. Hence the question, or yeah. You know, and then I mentioned in the in the pipeline. I don't know who quit on who the most here. Um, you know, you know, basically, you know, I don't understand also why he didn't at least play some of those starters in the fourth quarter to try to figure out maybe something uh, for game four. I know the series is over. Just historically, it tells you it's over. But maybe you could figure out something that might work in the next game? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I think they are who we think they are. Well, I agree with that, but I mean, you got to make the effort to at least you know, try something here, and he he gets sure. flat quit. Sure. In regards to Jim Brown, I probably didn't start watching football till I, I'd say about the fourth grade, so that might have been like '69. I think he was retired by then. But my yeah. dad ran and raved about this season all the time, and and I think you're 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 framing it in terms of all team sports. Anybody else we come up with, how many of them are one-sport players? Jim yeah, Brown was true. a multi-sport player. And yeah. so his athletic ability could, could be seen in many in, in other dimensions that uh, they use different skill sets. And, uh, Michael Jordan sucked at baseball. Let's just say it, okay? <laughs> it was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron, uh, I don't know if he does anything other than basketball. Uh, Wilt. Wilt, we, Wilt is guilty of having no YouTube videos. 
if Wilt had YouTube videos, he might get more <laughs> more love. That's so true. I, I understand the question. I just I didn't get to see him myself. I just know my dad loved him. Well, that's how I grew up watching football uh, in Ohio. I was born in 1957. I was at the Cleveland Browns championship game. We played the highlight just coincidentally at the top of the hour when they won the championship in 1964. They beat the Colts 27 to nothing in that game. And uh, yeah, and my dad went to college with Lou Groza, and they were lifelong friends. And uh, Groza was on that Browns team. And uh, so I, we went to a lot of Browns games. I got to meet, meet Jim Brown a few times. Uh, wow. and, uh, yeah, he was my young – when I was a kid, he was the man. And uh, yeah, yeah. it's just amazing. You know, even watching now, I watched like a Good Morning Football this morning. I only got a couple seconds here, unfortunately, the rest of the segment. But, you know, we're going to get to this with Kayla a little longer, a little later in, in the uh, extra point today, too. But uh, they had a highlight video of Jim Brown, and it was like a man amongst boys out there. And just this combination of speed and power, I don't care what era it is. I mean, it was right, unbelievable right. the things that he did. Good stuff, Monroe. Always appreciate it. Thank you. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with uh, Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's Sports Zone with the National Roundup. That'll be topped by the latest line. A little from the scoreboard. We'll get to a little bit from the uh, debacle last night in Miami. Also, time pending. We'll get to a little Major League Baseball for the weekend. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. best for the team and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. And from the, M- NL- yeah, from the NBA postseason scoreboard, uh, the Heat, I guess they just kind of kicked the Celtics all around South Beach last night. Gabe Vincent scored a career-high 29 points. That's his career-high, not just playoff-high, career-high. Duncan Robinson had 22, and the Heat destroyed the Celtics. The final score was 128-102. You know, that saying that the score is not as close as the game actually was. This was far worse. Um yeah, Caleb Martin at 18. So Jimmy Butler was like the fourth leading, literally the fourth leading scorer with 16. Bam Adebayo at 13. Max Struess had 10. So pretty much everybody that was in uniform for Miami scored in double figures. Uh, of course, no NBA team ever is you know lost the first three and come back and won. Uh, 149 and zero. The teams that with the three row lead have finished off series. Jason Tatum, 14 points. Jalen Brand, 10 points, or excuse me, 12 points for the uh, for the Celtics last night. The NBA Finals don't start until June 1st, so it's going to be uh, likely a lengthy layoff They're one way or the other here. I also want to you know, hopefully end some confusion that was started on TNT last night and continued on NBA TV. 
There has never been a season when both conference finals have ended in sweeps. It actually happened in 1957, but they were called the division finals back in those days when Boston won a three-game best of, you know, basically you know, best of seven series. Excuse me, best of uh, five series. Uh, they went three. They went three-zero against Syracuse, and St. Louis beat Minneapolis three-zero. So. You know, the, technically, they just didn't have the – it wasn't called the conference finals then back in the day because they were division finals. So that's uh, you know, where the, I think there was lots of confusion about this last night. All right, much more on the conference finals in the next two hours during the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. All right, so tonight the Nuggets try to finish off the Lakers. The Lakers a three-point favorite against the Nuggets. Total is sitting at 224.5. And then tomorrow night – Boston and Philadelphia. Boston was actually, they went up to like a three and a half. I even saw a couple of fours yesterday. They were favored in that game yesterday at Miami. Not the case in game four. Miami, a two-point favorite. Total in that game, uh, that game sitting at 216. Mo Bamba might be back for the Lakers tonight. I don't know if that makes that much of a difference. Uh, he's played just a dozen games this season for the Lakers, but he is another guy with length. So uh, it would be interesting to see how they actually use him if he's out there. And I'm not so sure. I'm not the big, I'm not the, uh, uh, no pun intended here, but I'm not the biggest Mo Bamba fan. We'll also uh, get to some baseball and the extra point and have time to get to it in this particular segment. But uh, we'll get to some of that uh, from the weekend and you know, some injuries to possibly uh, get into a little more in the next couple of hours also. So stay tuned the next two hours. It is the Extra Point hosted by Caleb. We'll have more phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone. Thanks for listening.